Now, before we proceed with this episode, I do have something important that I need to share with everybody. As you guys know, about two years ago, I did a sketch comedy show called The Going Live Show. And while I was on the show, I worked with a very talented cast and became friends with practically every cast member on the show. And one friend that I had in particular, her name was Tata Sharice. Now, if you watch the Going Live show, you know who Tata is. She was basically um, the public defender. That was her uh, main gimmick on the uh, show. That was the main character she played, and she did that quite a few times. And if you saw the um, Hood Exorcist sketch, uh, she played the mother in the sketch. Like, I played the, uh, the priest that was trying to, you know, get the demon out of her son in the sketch uh, she played the mom and I played the priest going the power of Christ compels you like that was me well sadly this past Christmas Eve uh, Tata Sharice was carjacked at gunpoint while coming home from a comedy show now the good news is she is not hurt physically the bad news is her car was stolen and the merchandise that she sells after shows was stolen as well and she currently has a GoFundMe page set up to help her raise the money that she needs to get a new car and order more merch so she can you know get back to selling merch and get out there performing and what I'm gonna do is I am going to read the synopsis of her GoFundMe page to further illustrate what she's looking for rather than try to paraphrase it so this is on her GoFundMe page hey y'all so I got carjacked I'm no stranger to obstacles or overcoming tough times but what recently happened to me was something I really wasn't prepared for I was carjacked at gunpoint by two men on Christmas Eve coming home from a show comedy is now the majority of my income so my car was very very important to me because it's how I get to most shows. Also, all of my Tata Sharice merchandise was in the trunk of my car, which is another big part of my income. I'm blessed to be alive. I do about five to 10 shows a month and I'm really grinding. I don't plan to give up at all, but I'm creating this GoFundMe to help speed things up so I can get back to doing what I love and bring joy to others. Anything that anybody can contribute would be greatly appreciated and used to go towards a car and to replace my merchandise that I sell at shows. I appreciate the support and my spirit has not been broken. Thank you for the love that people have already showed me and anything further helps. I just entered year six of my stand-up comedy career and has been an incredible journey. I've hit amazing milestones and so far I've performed in over 200 shows non-stop, but I can't let this situation slow me down. And as I mentioned before, Tata Sharice is a friend of mine. I've worked with her before. She is hilariously funny and a tremendous talent. And I am encouraging all of the Boochcast fans to donate money to Tata Sharice's GoFundMe to help her get back on her feet, get back on the road, and get back to doing what she does best. So from now until the GoFundMe page is completed, I am going to be putting the link to her GoFundMe page on every single Boochcast episode going forward inside the synopsis so you can use it to go there and do whatever you can to help her out. I will also be providing links on the Boochcast social media pages so you can access them there as well. So go to the link, donate what you can, and help Tata Sharice get back to bringing joy and laughter to the world. Lutes. Vials. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now. 
What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT New Year's Evil 2023. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Booch Cast, he is the NXT correspondent. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Absolutely. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to The Booch Cast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude? To do this, this is me, the broke soul is Jack Scott. TV speaking, I'm not that broke, and I'll have to say this card was very particular. Yes, there, a lot of weird shit happened on this show. It was and, weird. Um, I was like, um, okay. And before no. we get started, there is one quick thing I want to mention. Uh, some of you that are listening to the show, you realize it came out a little later in the day than expected. Um, last night I had to go to a, a birthday party. Uh, Buff Bagwell is officially 53 years old, and and um, we threw a big uh, surprise party for him. Uh, he had some friends were there. Some family was there. Uh, we had a couple wrestlers there. Uh, D- actually, uh, DDP and Lex Luger were there. So it was kind of cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, Lex was there because him and Buff had been best friends for years. They, they they practically traveled on the road together during their time in WCW. So he was there as well. So it was, a, it was a good party. Everybody was there. We had a great time. And because the party was going late, I didn't know how long the party was going to end. So I just told Zach, watch New Year's Evil and we'll record in the morning before he goes off to be the executive vice president of Plate Soap and Water. So, <laughs> so uh, at the time we're recording this, it's in the morning. After this, Zach's going to get ready to go uh, wash the dishes, and I'll be here uh, editing this show and then posting it out to you guys. And then I'm also, after this, I got to edit the Lance Goodman stuff and post that out for Thursday. So anyway, we are so we are keeping up with the podcast. They're going to be out there. But um, hopefully you guys got to see the interview with uh, Gary Michael Capetta. A little bit of a Boochcast classic I threw out there. If you haven't, uh, make sure you go listen to that after you listen to this, and then listen to Lance tomorrow. Uh, all right. So with that said, we will commence with New Year's Evil. We kick things off with our first official match of the night. We got the Don of NXT, Tony D'Angelo with Stacks versus Dijak. It was a great opening match. These two uh, dudes uh, went at it very well. Dijak got moves in. Tony got moves in. It went back and forth a couple of times. It could have stayed in the ring a little bit more, but it was a brutal 
little match. Until the end, where, like most Italians, they fucked it up. One, two, three, die Jack once. Vinny, your thoughts? Okay, well, um, obviously, this was a great fight. Enjoyed it immensely. Um, I thought uh, both these guys did very well. Um, and you could tell it was a fight. This was not, you know, nobody got squashed. Nobody got dominated. Uh, Dijak actually had to fight, which it, here's my thing. And, and I got two complaints about this. First of all, not happy with Tony taking the L. Uh, I like the way he did it, though. Like, Stax was trying to, you know, sacrifice himself multiple times in this match for Tony D'Angelo. And, you know, that that's a thing that is very big in mafias and Italian, especially Italian mafias. I can't speak for other mafias, but in, in the Italian, you know, mafia, which is the only real mafia in the world. Um, <laughs> it's the only one. Yeah. Sorry. No. Other people, no, 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 no. Unless no, y'all no, try no, to no. copy Fuck that you. shit, it don't work. I'm sorry, y'all. Fuck you. Fuck you. I'm sorry. So there's that. But the Once fact, again, fucking cut. Yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Suck my cannoli. Typical Italian so to think you're better than everybody else. Piss up a rope. Uh, I'm sorry. There's a better mafia out there. Did you like to name it? Yeah, you guys ride up with more of each other than anybody else in the mafia. Anyways. Thank you. You're not answering my question. Yeah. This is the part where Zach knows he can't answer my question, so he just throws out random insults. But anyway, um, my point is, in Italian, is that it's always about, you know, sac- that's what, that's what the, the guys who work under the Don do. They sacrifice themselves, or they're willing to do anything, you know, they follow orders, they, they make sacrifices, they stand up for their boss. That's that's the loyalty that you show. And, that, and unlike loyalty to regular people or loyalty at jobs, this is a loyalty that is actually rewarded. In the mob, they actually reward you for your loyalty. Usually it's in the form of dollar dollar bills. Um, if you're full-blooded Italian, it can result in moving up the ranks and then eventually one day becoming a Don yourself. And then you actually go from working under the guy to sitting at a table next to the guy, which is big. And not everybody gets to do that. So it's it, it's very big. But then when he, he finally grabbed him and said, I'm not your boss, I'm family, and threw him out of the ring. I, I'm going to tell you right now, if this doesn't result in some type of face turn for Tony D, I'm going to be shocked. Because he did not allow Stax to sacrifice himself. And not a lot, very rarely do you see a Don tell an underling, no, 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 no. I got this. You don't see that often because Dons don't like to get their hands dirty. So that is great storytelling. And I feel like this could be a face turn for Tony D. Even though he's a great heel, I love seeing him as a heel. I'd be intrigued to see what he could do as a babyface. But that was very much a babyface move that he just did. That, and that's why we one of the things Zach and I are, are going to say throughout this uh, recap is a lot of weird shit happened. This was some weird shit that happened. Dijak, of course, nails a cyclone boot. One, two, three. Fucking pick pisses me off because now it looks like Dijad's going to be the one to take the North American title from Wesley. As much as I love to see Wesley drop that belt, I want Tony D to have it. I don't feel like Dijak should be rushed into a title shot. I feel like Dijak, with the dominance that he has, this is a guy who should be throwing jobbers around. Showcase, you know, that That's what you do with a guy like Dijak. You have him run through people. You have him squash people. You have him smash people into the ground. Then build him to a profile storyline
storyline where he has to put up a fight because that's the kind of look that Dijak has. Instead, they just put him into a feud right out the gate where he actually has to fight, which doesn't benefit him. And top it all off, you fuck Tony D. So it's for goddamn ridiculous. Okay. Anything else? All right. Well, you got nothing to say, but I got some stuff to fucking say. So let me have the mic. Hey. Oh, here we go. Hey, quadruple eyes. Go sit in the corner. All right. Look. Mm. Bottom line is. Bottom line what? That's the truth. Okay? Stax has done enough already. All right? Bottom line is, in my mob, we family. Stax has proven he's more than just an underling that takes care of business. He proved himself to be family. He's put himself in harm's way multiple times. This time, the Don felt the need to return the favor, and unfortunately, it did not work out good for me. But rest assured, that North American title is coming home with me. This finish is clearly a crock of shit. And, uh, also, uh, I, I, I think your name is Zach. Um, you need some fucking therapy, dude. This hate you got isn't fucking ridiculous at this point, man. This is insanity. You need to go see a therapist or, I don't know, go, go to the end of the rainbow, count your money, whatever makes you smile. Mm. You need to fucking relax, okay? Mm. I don't know. Or you, I mean, <laughs> seriously, or or maybe you need something to eat. You can go hang out with the other elves and make the cookies like you love to do, but or do something. Either way, you need to fucking calm down. Your blood pressure's getting too high. Alright, that's all I gotta say about mm. that. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. Um, now, normally, I would say, if we even want to call it that, um, normally, I would just say the name and Zach would commence with recapping the match. But we have to kind of call an audible because some fucked up shit went down. Again, weird shit happening. So here we go. Mm. This is supposed to be the Creed Brothers versus Indusheer. Sangha comes mm -hmm. out with a mic. Sangha announces Veer isn't here, but he will fight them two-on-one. Brutus and Julius want Veer because they don't do two-on-ones. They're not they want to have fair fights. All of a sudden, Jinder Mahal attacks both the Creed brothers from behind. Sangha and Mahal destroy both the Creed brothers. Mahal drops Julius with the Colossus. And then he grabs a mic and says, Veer and Sangha fight for honor. But he doesn't. Okay, my question is, is like from Kaden and Kel. Why did this happen? I was looking forward to this. Also, Jinder Mahal is back in NXT and he beats yeah, the Creed brothers for strange-ass reason. I don't know who's doing the right. This was awkward. And I did not enjoy it up like in the back of my head like what the fuck is this shit right here but okay any of your thoughts <laughs> okay first of all very very shocked by this didn't make a lick of sense and I want to know why Veer isn't here did he get released before the show is he is, is he on suspension did he violate a wellness a drug test the wellness policy is there a did, did, did something come out that he has a domestic violence charge like what the fuck happened because if somebody in the creative meeting thought it was a good idea not to have this match on the card for kayfabe reasons, that person is a moron. We've literally been waiting for this tag team match. We have watched the Creed brothers jump through hoops to medically clear themselves. We've watched Ivy Nile beg these guys not to have this match, and they're basically saying, fuck you, bitch. We want the match. We finally get to the match, and you pull this shit. <laughs> now, that being said... I have no objections to Jinder Mahal being in NXT because Jinder Mahal, it, it helps bring more eyes to NXT as far as ratings go because he is a name. And despite what a lot of people say about Jinder Mahal, I'm going to give an unpopular opinion here. I enjoyed him as WWE champion. I did. Really, the only thing that was wrong with his run was that the Bollywood boys constantly were helping him. And that's not an insult. That's their actual tag team name on the indies. I just can't remember what their name was in WWE off the top of my head. But I know on the 
indies. They're called the Bollywood Boys. They were the only complaint because Jinder had constant interference. I know the Usos do the same thing with Roman, but we're also getting sick of that. You know, it's good every once in a while, but when it's happening all the time, it gets to be a little ridiculous. But Jinder Mahal, I thought, crushed it. He got an incredible shape to look like a, he looked like a main event player. He didn't look like a scrub. And it proved what Shane McMahon was trying to prove when he was running SmackDown. That SmackDown is supposed to be the land of opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Where anybody can get, where anything can happen. Well, what better way to prove that than by having Jinder Mahal, someone no one would have ever expected to become WWE champion, become WWE champion. That cements your legacy right there. Anything can happen on SmackDown, so tune in every week. And it also helped because at the time, WWE was trying to get into India. And, you know, and in order to get other, in order to get other countries to embrace your product, they need to see representation. It's not just America that's obsessed with representation. It's also other countries. So for them to get into India, they would have an Indian champion. But they didn't just grab some random person. Because they wanted some random person, they could have brought back the great Kali and put the belt on him. But everybody knows great Kali was not a good world heavyweight champion. And the only reason he got the belt was because Kurt Angle was injured and had to vacate the belt. So bring in Jinder Mahal, who's a premier athlete, was great on the mic, knew how to get heat. Like, he killed it. He he was given the ball. He did not drop it. Now, do I consider Jinder Mahal to be one of the greatest WWE champions of all time? Fuck no. But he did the job that he was given. So I love seeing... I I, I, I have no problems going to see. What I would have liked to have seen, honestly, is I would have liked to have seen Indusheer and the Creed brothers have their match. The Creed brothers dominate, or at least get a good shots in, and then maybe have like a moment where it looks like the Creed brothers are going to win, and then gender interferes in the match. That's what I'd like to see. And then he says, they fight for honor. I don't. Drop the mic. That would have been better. To have Jinder Mahal show up in the middle of the match to help Indusheer beat the Creed brothers to show that, you know, we're not fighting for honor anymore. It could also lead to a return for Roderick Strong, assuming he's still on the roster, and then you got a three-on-three right there with Diamond Mine. It's genius. The booking's right there. Problem is, no one's looking at it. That would have been better. That would have been a better option. Okay. So then we cut to the backstage area with Valentina Feroz and who confronts Sangha for what he just did in the ring. Sangha is going to do what he has to do. Then Electra Lopez walks in, walks in and tells Feroz that Sangha is right. Feroz needs to focus on herself, especially tonight in the Battle Royal. Basically, what she's trying to say, ignore not that's not your business to really be a part of. And Sangha is like, want to do what I have to do. Yes, she wants to be, be, be become a badass here with Jennifer Hall. Let's see what happens from here. It's still confused in this hell, but okay. <laughs> yeah, absolutely makes sense. Now, on that note, we cut to we cut to the ring and we see pretty deadly. Prince and Wilson say the New Day think they don't deserve a title shot. They're going to prove it tonight when they defeat three of the toughest teams NXT has to offer. The Rockers music hits <laughs> and two flying Brian Williams, a slamming jamming Jimmy Jackson. Okay, classic pretty deadly. Um, um, so before we get to the match, <laughs> let's just talk about this segment. Zach, what are your thoughts before this match even starts? When you see this what's happening here? I was like, okay, they're just went out there, and all of a sudden the uh, the rockers show up. I was like, this is not the rockers. And I was like, okay, and yeah, that's a lot of shit. I was just in a state of shock. Like, rockers, I was like, wait a minute here. I was like, that's not the rockers. <laughs> no, that's not the rockers. Nope. Anyways, Danny. Now, <laughs> hold on, now hold on, Zach, 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 to test your history here. Yeah. Who were the Rockers? I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, oh yeah, Marty Janetti and freaking Shawn Michaels. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> 
And um, Shawn Michaels is not about to get in a tag team match because he's pretty much made it clear he's not wrestling anymore. And I don't see WWE bringing in Marty Jannetty for anything. Nope. So um, there we go on that. So then we move on to the... To, and then the match officially starts. We have Pretty Deadly versus Flying Brian Williams and Slammin' Jammin' Jimmy Jackson. Smack, smack, boom, boom, spoil of milk, one, two, three. That's basically what happened. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, so we don't want to call this a match. No, do you? No. No. Okay. So, yeah. Shall we proceed? Yes. So before the next team can come out, the New Day walks out on stage and call shenanigans, only instead of whacking them with brooms like you would when you declare shenanigans, they have two top two shenanigans. They have two top NXT teams for Pretty Deadly to face. First up, Idris Zanofi and Malik Blade. And then we have that next match of the evening in this gauntlet. Pretty Deadly versus Idris Zanofi and Malik Blade. Hey, Vinny, quick question. What? What's that restaurant you like with the squiggly lines and the mozzarella sticks? You mean shenanigans? <laughs> oh! I thought this match right here was actually okay, I guess. I don't know why I had to go against him to Jabber, but I didn't know what who was wearing that weird-ass athlete. I think that was Sanofi. But this right here was okay, I guess. Pretty deadly work. Uh, did a good job. Hell, even the Jabber tag team did pretty good. Now, sudden, one, two, three. Uh, uh, one, two, three. Pretty deadly win. Vinny, your thoughts? Okay. Now, as far as I'm concerned, I was like, we got two top t- NXT teams and you announce another jobber tag team. Like, I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If Pretty Deadly's gonna bring out two random enhancement guys that nobody fucking knows and nobody fucking cares about. And then you say, oh, we have top tag teams for you to face. And Ophi and Blade are not a top tag team. No, they are not. You could have picked way better for this. Mm-hmm. This was goddamn ridiculous. <laughs> It was. It was fucking ridiculous that, oh, we have two top teams. They're not a top team. If anything, they're embarrassing to watch. I don't want to really say that. They're talented, but not wholly worthless. At yeah. least you're getting some of their stuff in. Yeah. I don't want to say that. So if there's one they team... Don't fuck this... me, really. I just roll my eyes every time I see it come out. like, okay, let's get this done with, please. But yeah, it was... It, but want... Despite that, it was a good finish, a good match until, you know, and then, of course, Pretty Deadly got the win, which they should. Mm-hmm. And then Woods it's and Kingston... So then Woods and Kingston announced their next opponents, Briggs and Jensen. Their music hits, but they don't walk to the ring. Next, Briggs and Jensen are laid out backstage. We see both of them are down. Next thing we know, Gallus' music hits. Mark Coffey and Wolfgang walk to the ring, and we have the final match in the gauntlet. Pretty Deadly versus Gallus. Pretty much Gallus went in there and dominated the whole match, did they not? Yes. And most of the time, Pretty Deadly, they went through two matches. The first one, but okay, it was bullshit. The one with against Malik Blade initially no fate. That tired them out. This is what this terms is why it's called a gauntlet match. Maybe they should have come out a little bit better. But Gallus hits the finisher on Wilson for the win. And then has been eliminated. The number contellus for the NXT chapter is Gallus and rightfully so. Maybe. I'm not sure. Why why would why 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 do they deserve a title shot? Why? Not 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 because they won the I, I know they won the, the gauntlet match. So that's the kayfabe reason. I'm talking about actual reason. What about these two makes you think they should be next in line for a title shot? I don't know. New blood, new faces. Well, not new faces. Somebody else, somebody different. Well, I can see that. Um, I mean, the thing is, they just got suspended. Their suspension gets lifted, and they immediately get a title shot. Okay, I that's, see where both of us are coming from. That's that's where I thought was ridiculous. I'm like, at least let them have, uh, at, you know, at least Pretty Deadly can get their rematch. I thought would have been better. Then if you want to bring in Gallus, you can. And so my question is, now obviously Gallus and the New Day have a stare down, so it looks like they're going to have this match, but here's the question. 
question. Mm. Are they gonna build this to Vengeance Day, or are you gonna, week. or are you gonna put it on like next week or the week after, or is this gonna be a throwaway match on three on free TV? Is what I want to know. No, they need to do it at Vengeance. If you're gonna, that'd do, be a good, yeah. that'd be a good match. That's what I'm saying. If you're gonna, if you're gonna have Gallus come back like this, it needs to be on a pay per view. Now, mm-hmm. if Pretty Deadly won, you want to put that on TV, okay. But if Gallus, if you're gonna, if this is the shit you're gonna pull, this needs to go to the pay per view, and then and in the build up, you're gonna have Pretty Deadly go, "Come on, we earned it," and all that, and have them jump through a bunch of stupid hoops again. I don't know. Like, I don't know what else you can make them go and get. Like Kane's match, Kurt Angle's gold medals. Like what the fuck else you gonna random shit you gonna make them get? <laughs> Stone Cold's beer. Um, they, not, they already did that. Ugh. Oh, just or um, Undertaker's hat. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, okay. I think they did the urn already. I don't think they did. No, they did Undertaker's urn. I remember that. Okay. All right, moving on. All right, so we cut to the backstage area with Ivy Nile, who tries to convince Julius to stay in the trainer's room with his injured brother. Julius isn't having it. He wants Jinder Mahal, and he wants him in the ring tonight. Nile gives up and says she has to get ready for the battle royal. Okay, this is just like a sister looking up for you. Don't need to do this. You need to look at and stay with your brother, and he's being the stubborn guy. Now, fuck that. I'm going to go kick this dude's ass. She says, like, all right, I got, she said, all right, I got better things about. Bye. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, it was another thing where the Ivy's trying to stop these guys from fighting, and they want to fight, and it makes no sense because Diamond Mine's supposed to be all about kicking ass, and Ivy Nile's telling them to not kick ass. Weird, weird, weird shit makes no sense. Um, very then very, very. we talk. Then of course we see this thing that's been going on for weeks. The 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 ball drops to celebrate the new year. A week after we already celebrated the new year. Yay! What is wrong with all y'all? D- does anybody even y'all even care about this kind of shit? We're already past celebrating the new year at this point. But anyway, the ball drops, the music hits, and we see the return of Tiffany Stratton to the ring. Apparently, that's what the ball drop and the countdown was for. We're going to see Tiffany Stratton again. Because every woman in the back is sweating like a pig because she is back. The center of the universe is back. Mm, okay. She says, like, I'm here. I'm better than all you. I'm prettier than all you. Have you missed me? I go, not really, but okay. This was pointless. This was boring. Yeah. She's been off TV for so long, I forgot she was even on the roster. Same here. I forgot. Like, I was like, what the hell she did at? I was like, wait a minute. Here's like, oh boy, Tiffany Stratton. Oh uh, joy. And because here, but here's my question though: mm. Are they are they basically saying that is she done doing the whole daddy's girl gimmick, and now she's just gonna be an arrogant bitch who doesn't talk to that doesn't get shit from her dad? Like I don't know what the fuck is going on here that's making this special. Is she about to come in and start kicking everybody's ass? Is she about to become a future NXT Women's Champion. What is the point of this? Because I, this is my problem with modern wrestling is I feel like a lot of times they do shit just to do it with no reason or rhyme. Just because they think it looks cool. No. If you're gonna do shit like this it has to have a purpose. It has to build to something. You don't give people elaborate entrances and elaborate returns if you have no intention of making them anything special. Because moments like this are going to be forgotten about in a couple weeks. What's going to be remembered, what makes them memorable is what happens after you do that. Understandable. And, I, and, and it's ridiculous. Okay, and on that note, we're on the next match of the evening. Oh, where do I fucking begin with this? Uh, we got 
got the <laughs> NXT Championship match. Braun Breaker defends the title against Grayson Waller. You know the only thing they did right? What? Grayson Waller came out first. Braun Breaker came out second. Okay. I knew this was going to be some fuckery because this was not the main event. It's like, what the fuck are they doing? They're not doing the ones battle royal for the main event. Okay. So I was watching this. They locked up. I thought this was going to be a good physical match. Boy, was I wrong. Well, physical was one thing. For some strangest reason, the person who set up the ring, I don't know if this was a shoot or this was kayfabe here. They didn't do a really good job of tightening up the bolts where the rings were at on the second part. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if anyone wants to go off, so I want to make this short sweet on my end. It's, uh, uh, first time I had the bomb breakup, he got a vicious Irish rip into the top. It broke. They go on break. The two went, went uh, against each other. Got knocked down a lot of times. It was okay until Grayson Waller went from the second rope, fell back, hit his head, and, and all of a sudden, it was a countout at New Year's Evil and a championship match is still the champion from Breaker. Vinny, I'm assuming you have something to say. Yes, here it is. First off, let me clarify one thing before I go off on what I want to go off on. I don't have a problem with the finish. And the reason I don't have a problem with the finish is because of what happens at the end of this show. And also, I knew there's a pay-per-view right around the corner. And I felt this should have been a ven- I felt this should have been a vengeance stage thing to begin with. I didn't like this was going to be at New Year's Evil. I preferred it over a regular show, but okay. By having this fuckery of a finish, you give them an excuse to go to Vengeance Day because Braun Breaker won by countout. And I prefer that over someone getting a 1-2-3 pinfall or tap out in the middle of the ring and then trying to get another match at a pay-per-view. I'd rather, because again, even though this is New Year's Evil, it's still free TV. Fact. This is a glorified TV show. That's all this is. So to see a count out here is okay. What I have a problem with is that it wasn't the main event. First of all, this is your championship match. This is the, the event you have been building towards. It has a story. It's had buildup. You copied the Goldberg Bret Hart thing from 99 to build this up. And you don't close the show with it. Also, if you're going to do these spots with turnbuckles breaking, that's all the more reason to make this the main event. Because now you have to write in, well, now we've super reinforced this, these turnbuckle things, so this doesn't happen for the rest of the show. And yet, throughout the rest of the show, no one's cautious when they're climbing the ropes, being like, are you sure it's fastened? Can we double check that? Because sometimes people fuck things up. No! They just go on with the rest of the show, as if nothing fucking happened. It was stupid. This should have closed out the show. Now again, I have no issue with the countout finish. I have an issue with this not being the main event, and having the main event be something that was built up barely but the match itself was great mm-hmm. and I like it because they obviously they put up a hell of a fight and they made it a wrestling match because now when we find out later what the Vengeance Day match is it allows that to be more of a brawl because you saw a lot more wrestling in this match so that was my issue and why I thought that was fucking stupid so on that note we cut to the backstage area with Axiom and Apollo Cruz who agree to team up against Trick Williams and Carmelo Hayes which is happening next week oh boy who cares you not really no this is okay you want to move on from this crap no i did like the whole carmelo hayes writing in the journal in the restaurant though i thought that was kind of funny and on that note we move on to the next match of the evening we got hank walker with gaba gulak versus charlie dempsey did you you, do you call this a match um Mm -hmm. 
not really? Yeah, me neither. I was like, okay, I don't understand what the fuck they're doing with Hank Walker. If he's going to be a professional wrestler, he needs to get in shape. I want to say that, keep on saying this about him. And Charles, Dem- and Charles Dempsey, I like Charles Dempsey. He's one vicious dude. And once again, he made Hank Walker tap out. And yada, yada, yada. This was not really entertaining. I was bored. I was like, can you finish this up, please? Vinny, your thoughts? I mean, okay. I, I mean, I, I, I enjoyed the match uh, to a degree. Um, I will say that the only thing I didn't enjoy was Booker T on commentary annoyed the crap out of me. And, you know, I because he's sitting here going like, oh, this guy is um in this spot. There's a lot of guys in the locker room that would like this spot. I hate hearing that shit. Like, again, they're looking for matches. They're looking for ratings. If you don't move the needle, doesn't matter how good you are. Again, people don't pay money to see you. All that work shit don't matter. You serve two purposes in professional wrestling. You either are the guy selling the tickets or you're the guy helping to sell tickets. If you're not doing either one of those two things, you are obsolete in the business no matter how hard you work and no matter how many wrestling holds you know. That's why a lot of the guys who are technical need to get to character development. <laughs> Seriously. But for whatever reason, this is working here. Um, Obviously, this is Dempsey beating the hell out of Walker. Walker did eventually get a, you know, rolling arm, rolling Dempsey into an arm breaker, like a cross arm breaker or whatever, and Dempsey reverse into some kind of pretzel hold and then Walker taps out. So obviously Charlie was going to win and also they're clearly showing in his gimmick that he's a student. That's why this storyline works because that's his gimmick. I'm learning from Drew Gulak how to do this and I'm going through the trial and the error and I'm sure Booker's aware of that but still his commentary was ridiculous and and also speaking of the commentary, did you hear the sad news? What's the sad news? Apparently Booker T is going to be a permanent mainstay on the NXT commentary. Okay. Which means that when Pat McAfee inevitably comes back to SmackDown, we don't know where uh, Wade Barrett's going to go, but apparently he's not coming back to NXT. We're stuck with Booker T, which I'm not happy about because I'm not enjoying his commentary. And so, decent match. You know, was it exciting? No, but now eh, what are you going to do? So then we <laughs> cut to the backstage area where Albafire apologizes to Sol Ruka that they haven't been able to have their match. Ruka says, okay. Fire says they should have it. Ruka says they will see each other in the Battle Royal. Fire gets loud and screams if Ruka wants the match or not. She agrees. Fire apologizes again. And apparently next week we get Soul Ruka versus Alba Fire. Why was this here? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh. I don't know. Okay. Me neither. All right. I'm done. I was like, watch this. Like, okay, can we get on with this, please? This is <laughs> this is just, I think it's more filler to hype the Battle Royal and also to promote a match for next week. Okay. Who cares? Move on. Yes. We move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Jinder Mahal with Sangha versus Julius Creed. Uh, actually, this was actually a pretty good match. Julius Creed came out there. I knew Jinder Hall was going to lose when, but otherwise than that, I mean, Julius Creed put up a good fight. He's trying to get revenge for him and his brother. He got a lot of moves in. Jinder got a lot of moves in. All of a sudden, he hits Colossus. One, two, three. Frames Julius Creed. Any your thoughts? Enjoyed it. Yeah, I like enjoyed I said, it. It was great to see Jinder Mahal come back. Obviously, he was going to get the win. If we, Again, when somebody like Jinder Mahal comes back, if you're going to put them in a match, they got to get the win. And I, what I would like to know, really, 
Italy is what happened to Veer. That needs to be explained somewhere. Now, if something happened for a shoot, give a kayfabe answer. Otherwise, I need to hear what happened. Like, you know, did he miss, did he miss his flight? Even though I'm pretty sure most NXT guys already live in Orlando. Um, did he has he been released? Did he fail a drug test? Did he beat his wife? Something. I need to know. You can't just not have him show up unless someone thought that would be a brilliant genius storyline. And I'm here to tell you, it wasn't. It was fucking dumb. But still, Jinder Mahal got the win. Love to see him back, and you know, look forward to seeing what he brings to NXT. I would, I, I wouldn't even mind seeing him be a future NXT champion. Me neither. Then on that note, we cut to the backstage area where Briggs and Jensen are getting checked out by the trainer. Fallon Henley counter James are there as well. James is overly interested in Jensen, which clearly bothers Henley. Henley says she has to go win the Battle Royal. Jamie asks, James asks Jensen if, if he if he wants her to stay. He tells her to go, go have the match. If I was Jensen, I'll tell Henley to do one thing. Fuck off. Bye-bye. <laughs> I'm sorry, I got smoking hot teacher near me. Yeah, go back. Bye-bye. Choo-choo. <laughs> I watching this, I was like, okay, who cares about this? Princess, we're taking out you two ladies. Need to go ready for, get ready for a bullshit main event. But okay, then. Vinny, your thoughts? Uh, okay, 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 okay. I am confusion. I get the whole Kiana James Jensen thing, but here's what confused me. Her and Fallon Henley are standing right next to each other. Kiana James is in some kind of sophisticated blue collar outfit where she's clearly trying to look like, like some type of redneck outfit, but it's like a sophisticated redneck outfit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things where it's like, you know, yeah, I'm wearing denim, but it's fashion denim by Calvin Klein or some shit. Like, what is this? Oh, oh, these are Gucci booty shorts or some shit like that. Like, I don't know what the fuck it is. But somehow they managed to put sophistication into a what's clearly a redneck outfit. It would be like if Daisy from the Dukes of Hazard hit the lottery. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that kind of shit. And now obviously she's kind of shooting her a little bit of a look, but still, usually in these scenarios, Fallon Henley's checking on them and Kiana James happens to walk in. Now they're standing side by side. Did I miss something in the last week? You, you, you see, you uh, uh, I don't know, Zach, did I miss something? Have we missed something in the last week? Did something happen that I didn't catch that, that you did? No, I don't think. Though. I think they're just doing this yeah. bullshit up at okay. random. Okay, okay, here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen of the creative team. Can't just spring shit like this on people. There needs to be a transition. Like, you know, they're they're kind of like, you know, you still have her in the in the work outfits and the build up, and then eventually something happens to where Kiana James earns their trust. Even if she's gonna stab him in the back later. She has to once she earns the trust, then you put her in the, you know, the, the fashionable redneck wear and have her be there and have her and Henley in the same room where they don't want to slap each other. That, that didn't make any fucking sense. Okay? That's like that's like having a scene where someone takes, their, where a girl takes her boyfriend home to meet her parents, and then one week the dad hates his fucking guts, and then the next week him they're at the, they're at the bar drinking. Like, no, you had to, there had to be a story here that leads to them in the bar drinking, laughing, and saying come here, son. You know what I mean? <laughs> you skipped a couple pages here. <laughs> they get stuck together? <laughs> I'm missing the middle part of this fucking story here. Tell it. Alright. On that note we move on to the main event of the evening. Can't believe this is the fucking main event. The 20 women battle royal to determine the number one contender for the NXT women's title at Vengeance Day. I did not like this being the main event. It should be a reversal of what we talked about more. Alright. A bunch of these ladies started beating the shit out too but with a shocker that uh, this Lyra Valkyrie chick eliminated Cora Jade as soon as the bell rang. She's like okay. Then Rugo with Junior handstand. Kind like what Kofi Kingston. That part I thought was actually pretty cool. And then everybody was back and forth, back and forth. But what was strange is, is the finish. That both members of uh, Asasha 
actually turn on each other and they both get eliminated at the exact same damn time. And now we had to see a triple threat match for the women's championship against Roxanne Perez. You know what's going to happen, Jenny, right? They're going to take out Roxanne Perez, turn on each other, and then we're going to go from there. Then Roxanne Perez is probably going to retain because those two can't get along with the ring. I should be champion. Oh, I should be champion. Jenny, you probably have something to say about this. Go ahead, sir. Oh, God. Where do I fucking begin? Um, First of all, love the elimination right off the bat. Good shocking moment. And also allows you to build a feud between Lyra Valkyrie, or Valkyra, I should say, and Cora Jade. It builds something there. Sol Ruka had a great spot here, mostly because I was impressed with the core strength that she has. To be able to walk on her hands, have one foot touch, come back up, walk around the ring on her fucking hands, get her feet locked onto the ropes, and sit up to get herself back in. Ladies and gentlemen, you can't fake that. No, you can't. That is, that, the, the amount of core strength she showed right there is impressive to me. This, this, this shows you what kind of athlete Sol Ruka is, and if they start taking her more seriously, she could be a future women's champion. She is. She's clearly got the strength. She's clearly got the athleticism. She just needs to get more ring time and get more TV time and talk more on the mic. She needs to improve that aspect, and she's there. So I was very impressed with her. That was a very good spot in the match. Then one by one, I started seeing people getting eliminated that had no business getting eliminated. Indy Hartwell, that was bullshit. Valkyrie mm-hmm. gets eliminated. Oh, great. Then, of course, we start seeing um, out goes Electra Lopez. What the fuck? And we're down to Alba. F- and then, of course, um, eventually um, Alba Fire, of course, gets thrown out of the ring because why the fuck not? And it comes down to JC Jane and Gigi Dolan. And I'm like fuck this. (laughs) I am like, this is bullshit. This is stupid. But then, all of a sudden, Jane super kicks Dolan, tosses her over the top rope. I'm like, oh, crap! And then eventually, Gigi throws her over over the rope, but they're both on the apron. They're fighting back and forth. They both go for a suplex, which I thought, what the fuck is wrong with you? I'm sorry. Why are you going for a suplex in a battle royal? Both you bitches are gonna hit the floor. That is a move you do not want to go for. Again, psychology. Say it with me, children. Psychology. Use your fucking head. I don't think they had one. Okay? They ain't just for holding earrings and necklaces. They're supposed to do some goddamn work around here. You can lead a hoe to water, but you can't make a drink. So, eventually, they start throwing hands back and forth, and then they fall to the floor at the same time. Love this spot, and I'll tell you why. A, logical reason for both women to fall, and B, notice, do you notice, when they hit the ground, mm-hmm. they weren't on camera. No, they were not. The camera just showed the ring, then eventually they panned out and showed you both on the floor. That's how you do that shit. You know why? Because that, because here's why. Just because you plan to hit the floor at the same time doesn't necessarily mean you will hit the floor at the same time. So if both of you are playing the spot and one of you hits before the other, but you're trying to sit there and go, oh, it's a tie. Everybody on the internet's going to go, bullshit, she hit the ground first. Look, I got it on video. Ba 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 ba. Or look, the camera clearly shows. Look, 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 by a millisecond. But if the camera doesn't show it, you've got no video proof, do you? This is the type of shit you need to do. It's like when you're going to make 
make people do dives and moonsaults out of the ring, and the guy's going to stand there and go, I'll catch you. Don't show that guy on camera. Wait until he lands. Then show the fucking footage. Because nothing looks more stupid than waiting to catch somebody that you don't like. That's why I shit upon that every time I see it, because it shits upon my business. God damn it. So now they announced that both of them are the winners. And that's what I love. The fact that it looked like these these two actually tried to win. And they just happened to, instead of just being like, oh, we're not going to eliminate each other. We're just going to walk out of the ring. Because that would have been a shitty ending. It's like, no, we're actually going to try to fight. I thought that was beautiful. And of course, Roxanne Perez comes out. She holds the ramp, holds up the title. We now find out this is going to be a triple threat match, which basically means one of two things. Mm. Either Roxanne's about to drop this title to one of these two bitches, or they're going to pair at the same time and try to be co-champions. Okay, or there's another option. Roxanne wins this match. And I'm going to tell you right mm. now, if Roxanne Perez wins this title at Vengeance Day, Toxic Attraction needs to be called up. Debut them at the Royal Rumble. You're going to need 30 bitches. But that's what needs to happen. If Roxanne wins at Vengeance Day, they need to go to the main roster because there's nothing left for them to do there. And it'll also show that Roxanne Perez conquered all of Toxic Attraction and vanquished them from NXT, thus putting some credibility behind her. Because even though I don't want her to be the champion, it looks like that's the direction they want to go, so why not give her the biggest accomplishment? Vanquishing Toxic Attraction from NXT. <laughs> and then, just when we thought it was over, we cut to the backstage area with HBK, who's with Grace and Waller and Braun Breaker, who's not happy with how this thing ended. Uh, both of them are getting ready to fight, but HBK calms them down and then announces that we will have a definitive winner and that at Vengeance Day, it will be for the NXT title, Braun Breaker will defend against Grayson Waller in a steel cage. Okay. Thought out of stage. Okay, good. No interferences, no countouts. This is still a cage match, and I think Grayson Waller needs to win. Yes. Grayson Waller needs win, to win. This. I'm getting bored of Bar Breaker. Time for a heel champion. Well, yeah. Well, it's not just time for a heel champion, it's time for a new champion. And I feel like Braun has done I feel like Braun's done everything he can do. And I'm at the point where I think now he's ready for the main roster. He's ready. This it's a good time to do it, too. Royal Rumble's coming up. So he can be a surprise entrant. WrestleMania's coming up. There's something for him to do. You can work him in a match somewhere. I think it I think this is a golden opportunity to for at Vengeance Day to change things up because it's the first big event NXT has had in 3 years. Because it's been 3 years since the last time they've done a show outside of the performance center of this magnitude where they're now starting to do takeovers outside of the performance center. And I feel like this is the time to crown a new champion. The only thing I'm going to find intriguing is that since they're locked in a cage, how is Grayson Waller going to nail the rolling stunner that which is his finisher. Because he normally goes outside, dives through the roads, hits a stunner. He can't do that. They're locked in a cage. How's he going to pull this they figure, off? They figure out something or make him submit, but Braun Breaker's bigger so that might be hard to do. Yeah, Braun's not tapping out. That's not no. an option. So something would either something would have to happen where either either Grayson Waller has got to come up with a new finisher or he's got to win by escaping the cage. Like maybe he has a foreign object, knocks him out, climbs out of the cage. Something like that. But it is time for okay. Grayson Waller to be the, the NXT champion. It's time. I agree with you more, sir. Alright, and that, ladies and gentlemen, will uh, conclude this recap of NXT New Year's Evil. Uh, Zach, as always, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us, and uh, we'll see you on the next one. Absolutely. Alright, make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor, Anchor, Spotify, Spotify, Google Podcast, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash the 
Boochcast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring mm-hmm. that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. Uh, tomorrow, we got our latest episode of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the 90s. Baywatch Sex Sells drops tomorrow at 2 p.m. So make sure you guys uh, check that out. And of course, check out all the other episodes as well. We got episodes scheduled all the way up to February 9th. We are currently in the process of filming uh, some more videos. We got a bunch of them done already and we got a few more. We're going to be finishing up very, very soon. Stay tuned to the YouTube channel for Dark Side of the 90s. Also, uh, you can follow us on Twitch. Go to twitch.tv slash theboochcast so we do our live wrestling watch party. Our next watch party will be Saturday, January the 28th for the WWE Royal Rumble. This is the first stop on the road to WrestleMania. We'll be checking out the men's and women's Royal Rumble matches to see who will be main eventing nights one and two of WrestleMania 39. In addition to that, we have Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight in a Mountain Dew pitch black match. And Roman Reigns will defend the undisputed WWE Universal title against Kevin Owens. And of course, we have our live D&D show coming soon, our Boochcast booking battle, and another special project in the works. And of course, you can support the Boochcast by going to anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the Boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels you can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is 99 cents, $1 per month. Our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level you can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. per month. Same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States. Ever since the Peacock, you got nowhere to put that $9.99. Zit $9.99, bring it over here. We got better content than the network, and unlike All Elite Wrestling, we actually care about our fans and are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option of paying with a credit card or with GPay. And the best part is, all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We use to upgrade our equipment, we use to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host, and you believe they're to be paid for their hard work, anchor.fm slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then, if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed uh, Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles, which is right now all he can eat, and try to get him laid. <laughs> and until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby! Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. And eat. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine. Goodbye till when we meet again.